Hello and welcome to episode 22 of series 3 of the Engaging Internal Comms podcast. This is the show for employee engagers and internal communicators who like to keep up to date with all that is new in our profession. My name's Greg Smith from The Big Picture People. Well, as we get towards the end of 2022, we're starting to look forward to our fourth series, which will be beginning at the uh, start of next year, at the beginning of 2023. And we're lining up our guests already for our fourth season of the show. So um, looking towards the end of this year, what we've got coming up in the next two episodes. So episode 23 of uh, series three, which is going out on the 22nd of November, is an interview with Emma Tucker from Temenos and Emma is going to be telling us all about how we can connect internal communications and learning and development often a very strong link between the two in organizations but making sure there's a strategic connection between the two can be really really important and then coming up the week uh, two weeks after that on the 6th of December I have a conversation with Douglas Spencer Douglas is from Spencer Brenneman and he's going to be telling us all about the relationship between internal communications and branding. So we've covered this a couple of times on the show, but I think it's one of those areas that often is really important, that branding is often seen as a, a marketing thing. It's often about logos and brand guidelines, whereas internal communications is obviously about making sure that we've got an aligned workforce delivering on our promises. And what he will be telling us about, Douglas will be telling us about how we can make sure there's that connection in place and how we can work between the two different different specialities that are often seen as different uh, and how we can make sure that there's some some joined up joined up activity there so that's a an, a conversation that is going to be going out on episode 24 of this series on the 6th of December as i said now, between now and the next episode, we are running another one of our free webinars for those of you who have, who have colleagues or support colleagues who are involved in health and safety within the organisation. And this can include the broadest, in its broadest sense, this can be mental health, mental safety, rather than just physical health and safety issues. We're running another one of our free webinars, which is all about how we can transform the way that we communicate and train our people when it comes to things like health and safety. We often default to uh, PowerPoint, and which is a great tool, but but can often lead to a lot of death by PowerPoint. And what we're looking to do when we're delivering this type of communication training is to win hearts and minds. We want people to be fully engaged. We want them to actually carry out and believe in the, the things that we're talking to them about and actually go away and change some of their habits and behavior. So we're going to be looking at how you can do that in your health and safety comms and training. So even if that's not something that you're directly involved in, there may be colleagues in the organization who you're supporting that you want to let them know you may want to come along yourself and to see what you can pick up from that so that event is running on the 17th of November it's a Thursday afternoon it's three o'clock UK time in the afternoon through so 3 p.m and that's on the 17th of November as I said if you want to sign up for that if you go along to our website thebigpicturepeople.co.uk and go to our events tab it's the second event that's listed on there there's multiple dates actually we've got dates in January and March next year if you can't make the November date and we've also got some of our other free events on the same page that you can sign up for as well so um, just just as a, a close out for the 
introduction to this show. As I said, we're looking to season four of the of the podcast, um, looking to keep the podcast going, and we want lots of new and interesting guests. So if you or if you know, if you know anyone who would like to nominate someone, obviously let them know if you are nominating them, who would be a potentially a good guest for the show. Please, please let us know. We're always looking for some ideas, fresh ideas, fresh perspectives, different topics that we can bring to bear uh, just to keep the show as relevant and as interesting to our audience as possible. So if you've got anyone who you know or you'd like to uh, be considered yourself, drop me an email at info at thebigpicturepeople.co.uk. So that's info at thebigpicturepeople.co.uk and let me know and we can uh, get in touch with you and line up a preliminary chat. Okay, so that's enough of me. Let's go into this episode's interview. Whether you work in employee engagement or internal communications, it's likely that you are trying to create an engaging and motivating workplace that your employees want to be. However, current research has shown that about one in four employees are currently considering leaving their work, and this has a massive impact on the type of culture and performance that we get within our organisation. We're facing a huge war for talent at the moment where organisations are struggling to fill roles with suitably qualified people. So this is even more important than it has been maybe in previous years where um, there's been more of more supply than there has been demand for work for employees. So in today's interview, we're going to look at look at how we can create a highly motivating and engaging workplace. And our interviewee is going to talk us through 10 different factors that contribute towards that. Uh, they include things like clarity and the ability to have an understanding of what is expected of you within your role. Great communication, which obviously feeds into uh, our roles for those of us who are involved in internal communications. Having a clear purpose and having a knowledge of the impact that we're having on our work and our clients and our colleagues. Opportunities for growth, training and development opportunities, reward and recognition, work-life balance, autonomy autonomy and empowerment, leadership and relationships all feed into creating a motivating and engaging place to work. So that's what we're going to look at in today's interview. And we're also going to look at the idea of organizational tenants. These are people who are with our organization. They kind of live there. They kind of work there, but they're not fully contributing to their full potential. And that is something that I certainly recognize from my corporate career. And I'm sure many of you will recognize those those people within our organizations without being disrespectful to them, who seem to get away with not always contributing as much as everyone else does within the organization and we're going to look at ways that we can recognize those characteristics and also try to engage some of those people as well we're also going to be looking at the full employee experience journey the whole case that we have lots of different touch points as employers with our employees and how we can influence their experience and their lived experience of working within our organizations as internal communicators and employee engagers as well. So that's what today's interview is about. I'm sure you'll find it stimulating and interesting and hopefully it will resonate with you in terms of some of the things that you need to be focusing on in your work and also directing your helping your colleagues to realize our key important factors within your own organization when it comes to creating highly motivating workplace. 
My guest today is Laurie-Anne Duguay. Laurie-Anne is a culture catalyst, a disc trainer and human resources strategist who helps organizations to ignite cultural transformation and empower their people. Laurie-Anne believes that employees are looking to work for organizations that offer high quality end-to-end employee experiences. And this, this is important in creating highly engaged employee journeys that assure a decrease in costly turnover an increase in your retention of top talent and to optimize your overall employee engagement. So hello, Laurianne. It's good afternoon for me. Good morning for you. Um, can you tell our, our listeners where you are in the world so we can position you in our minds? Absolutely. Good morning. I am in, in sorry, in Northern Ontario, so in Canada. Fantastic. Excellent. So I, I, I kind of gave the, uh, the LinkedIn uh, version of your, your resume there. Tell us a little bit about what you do and what you're up to and a little bit, maybe a little bit about your career, how you ended up doing what you're doing, Laurianne, please. Awesome. Uh, so actually, I worked for 21 years in government in a variety of HR strategy type roles. Uh, and and within that that context, within that work environment, I guess it kind of helped me understand how not to do employee experience. So <laughs> it was a work environment where essentially, uh, you know, concepts like employee engagement and the entire exercise that goes along with that was really done as a checkmark exercise. Yeah, we, 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 you know, gauge and measure our employee engagement, checkmark done, whether or not we actually, you know, continuously improve it and, and d- develop strategies to grow that, that level of engagement. Well, that, that was irrelevant. It was really a checkmark exercise. So um, after completing my postgraduate in HR management, I fell in love with the whole organizational excellence piece of HR. So I always say there's kind of two HR folk out there. There's those who uh, delve primarily in uh, the operational type HR. I prefer the strategy type where yeah. we can actually build the frameworks required to really kind of drive that engagement. So I decided to leave my 21-year career in government and start my own gig uh, and have been doing this over the past two years, have clients pretty much uh, all over the world, and am really enjoying being able to help organizations create that work environment that's going to attract those job seekers, because ultimately it is a job seekers market out there. Yeah, yeah. Very competitive at the moment. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Definitely. No, th- <laughs> that's a great, great, great introduction. And yeah, it's, it's, I think uh, we, we, we have a similar, um, you know, we have similar challenges, whether they're public or private sector in, in, in across in Europe as well. So which we, we's no great surprise, I guess, in terms of, uh, you know, we're dealing with human beings here and, and collections of human beings in our organizations. So um, just sort of building on the, from that, then again, another, another piece of uh, uh, text I've sort of lifted off your LinkedIn profile. And I think this is quite a nice in, introduction into what we're going to be talking about in, in, in the interview. Um, and I'll, I'll read this out verbatim. So currently one in four employees are considering leaving their job. The world of work has changed and companies who are able to adapt to the new corporate landscape will be those who will attract talent. The key to competing in a world where demand far outweighs the pool of available talent is creating a work environment where employees want to work and stay. Although we can't motivate uh, people directly, we can create a work environment that they find highly motivating. So I think that's something that we definitely, most people I'm sure listening to this podcast would agree with. So let's kick off then, Laurianne, by just saying, you know, what, what are some of the ways then that we can start to make our workplaces more more motivating and high, more highly motivating for our, our employees? What are some of the things that we can, we can work on and focus on in, from your perspective? 
Okay, so there's actually, you know, there's a bunch of different uh, literature out there, but essentially it all drills down that there are some very specific motivational drivers. So basically things that make people want to show up for work, show up for work, but not just occupy space and be a bit of a tenant, what I refer to as tenants mm-hmm. of the workplace, but, yeah. but really thrive, right, within their position. So some of those motivational drivers, when they're, you take the time to first understand what is it that actually drives that motivation, but also how can we look at the way we're managing our people, the, that day-to-day people management process, that end-to-end employee experience. So we talk, you know, from the moment that we're pitching ourselves to them at the uh, interview through to the minute they actually exit or transition elsewhere from our organization, what are we doing to make sure that we're actually um, integrating those motivational drivers to make sure that people, you know, are, are, are feeling satisfied and feeling um, engaged and feeling like they're mm. part of bigger. So some of those motivational drivers, I've, I like to play around with 10. I have like a top 10 list of those motivational okay. drivers. Yeah. Let's go for it. So yeah. I like, I like, I like, I like uh, top tens. They, 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 they're, they're always good. So yeah, come on then fire away. Let's do it. Okay. So the first one, clarity, people want to understand their role. They want to know what's expected of them. And then they also want to understand what they on the flip side can expect from you as an organization. Yeah. Number two, communication. People want to be Uh, in the know. People want to know what's going on. They want information to flow 360. So bottom up, top down and have, you know, kind of facilitated connections with their peers and and, and have that facilitated communication with their peers as well. Mm. Mm. Number three, uh, purpose and impact. So they want Mm. to, they want to have, they want to work for organizations that make a difference. They want to work for an organization that has an impact on people's lives. And they want to understand how the work they do on a daily basis, be it, you know, on the front lines or in leadership, how it makes a difference and and, and enables and fuels the achievement of that broader organizational purpose. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. So that's, we've got our top three or are are these in order or are are these just kind of just in any order? There's no order. And I think, I think there's no order and there's no prescription either, uh, you know, kind of striking the balance between them. I think it's important for uh, organizations to kind of look at all of their, all of their, 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 their employee experience kind of key touch points yes. and start to think about how they can just, you know, infuse these better yeah. in okay, every so we've got, single. We've point. got clarity, communication, purpose, and impact. They're our top or the th- first three. What's number yeah. four, Lorianne? Growth opportunities. So they okay. want to know there's room to grow, right? Nobody yeah. wants to work at a job where they, they know from the day one, they'll be in that same position doing that same work in 10 mm. years. Mm. Right. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And the next one, goes hand in hand with it, training and development. Mm. Not everybody likes to be developed at the same kind of um, rate, uh, but it's important for everyone to have an opportunity to grow and hone their skills, be it Mm. for their existing position or, you know, if they aspire for another position within the company. Okay. Okay. Great. Number six. Rewards and recognition. So they want to know that they are valued and heard. They want to be seen and heard and that their contributions are recognized and valued. Mm. Okay, excellent, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to some of these because I'm I, I want to kind of break the flow. So what what do we got yes. on number seven? <laughs> seven is work life balance. Uh, mm. You know the pandemic only amplified what was already well in motion. People want to know that they work for an organization that appreciate and recognize and support them having a life outside of work. Mm. Like it. Yes. Um, then economy <laughs> and empowerment. I'm just gonna just gonna just go through all these and get get to the 10 and then we'll yeah uh, we'll dive into some of them if uh whatever whichever one you want to deep dive into uh, autonomy and empowerment 
So people okay. want to know that you trust them to do the work they were hired to do. They don't want the micromanagers uh, and they want to be empowered and coached into kind of stepping into their full potential and hand in okay, hand so- in with that. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. No, go. Sorry, sorry. I'll say autonomy empowerment is number eight. Sorry, I I, I go inter- 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 yeah. interrupt. Well, hand in so, hand yeah. with that, right? It starts with yeah. your leaders. So leadership. Yeah. They, you okay. know, we've all heard the adage: they don't leave bad jobs; they leave bad bosses. So they mm. want to work. You know, command and control no longer flies. They want to work for mm. a leader that empowers and coaches them and helps them kind of supports that whole growth journey, right? Yeah, yeah. And what's the last but not least? Relationships. Oh, don't ask me. Relationships. <laughs> Right. No, no, yeah. relationship, no, no, very, right? Very good. Yeah. 8, 10, 12, sometimes 14 hours a day with these people. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they people want to feel connected and they want to work yeah. for organizations that take the time to nurture those connections between peers. Uh so relationships with your peers, relationships with your clients, and relationships, of course, with your senior leadership. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Like, I think th- th- there we've got our 10. So yeah, I'm not going to read them all out again, but they'll they'll be in the they'll be in the show notes somewhere. But but I mean that's really good. And and I think I mean, look at, I mean, we could do an, we could probably do an individual episode on each of, each of those. Um, but, um, but no, I mean, I mean, in, in, interestingly, and I guess there's no surprise here. I mean, you mentioned reward and recognition, but there's nothing in there around, uh, remuneration or how much I'm getting paid or what my bonus is. And I guess this goes back to, you know, something that has been around for, for years now. I mean, Hertzberg and then obviously people like, um, uh, Dan Pink and people like that have been talking about this for a long time now about the fact that you know that the the money okay you know we do work for money but it's part of you know part of the contract but but actually as a motivator it's often well down the list in terms of what actually people and I think more so nowadays are looking from their work I mean would you agree with that and I'm so I'm I guessing so because money didn't show up in that t- list of ten but it, it's kind of one of those hygiene factors isn't it only it only makes taking away makes things worse but giving more of it doesn't tend to always make things make better. Absolutely. Yeah. It won't drive the engagement, right? That's not what's going to no. drive that thrive yeah. ultimately. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's, there's such a misperception about that. People really think the number one thing that cause, you know, the turnover is, you know, lack of compensation, but that's not a, a, like, it's not the case when you start to no. look at some of the studies out there that, that have been conducted. Uh, compensation, obviously, is always on the list, like you said, but it's normally quite low on the list compared to all of these other drivers. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, it, it when it drops below what what the kind of you know the market expectation is or, or very low, you know, that can then get, kind of get in the way. But just having it, you know, sky high doesn't tend to equate to uh, better motivation from my perspective and what I've seen in my career. And I think uh, most people would agree with that. So no, I mean we've got lots of really interesting things on there, and I think you know definitely it's good to see communication. I know I know you say these aren't ranked, but communication there at number two, and obviously this is an internal comms podcast, and we'll talk a, a little bit more about that that later on i mean in terms of uh, you, you know i'm not i'm going to be sort of as as uh, 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 you know they're all equally important i mean what what are what, and i've seen all of these things contribute and also undermine great sort of uh, cultures and great places to work in, in you know their absence or their presence are, in equal measure i think are, are really important are there any in there that, that that you know you're kind of really focusing on at the moment in your work or any particular stories about any of them that, that kind of bring them to life in terms of their importance okay yeah i actually i've got a bit of I've got, I can address both of those questions. <laughs> one of them, um, so the first one uh, is I do have a story. So I had a client, a global client uh, who, you know, 
they when they first approached me, we started looking at uh, their their retention, and their retention was actually quite good. So they mm. were, you know, a company that by the very nature they they had they hired a lot of engineers and a lot of tradespeople, and by the very nature, uh, just every job was different. Every project was different. And that in and of itself was enough to retain the employees, right? Yeah. Because yeah. They, they appreciated the variety of tasks, the variety of projects. However, when they decided to uh, assess and measure their actual employee engagement, it was the lowest I've ever seen in my career. They were at 21% mm. satisfaction. So mm. what you had was a bunch of employees who were there. We had a bunch of tenants, essentially, right? Mm. And and when we started to deep dive into the why, what was going on, and and you know how could we actually improve on this, we ended up kind of tracking that whole employee experience. So everything from the interview, and you know even in the interview, some of the stuff we were seeing that was happening. For example, it was you know one person interviewing, and it was as if the employer was kind of trialing was putting the, the, the candidate on trial, essentially. But mm. what it, where we're at now, where it's a job seekers market, it should be the opposite, right? You're supposed mm. to be, this is your opportunity as an employer to start to garner that excitement, to start to garner that momentum and, and plant that seed of loyalty to say, hey, I'm going to get you excited about working for our company. Here's why. Here's a video, right? That shows what it's like to work for our company and what, what are some of the great projects we've worked on that you might be aware of. You know, here's, um, here's what you get when you work for us. It's really a, an opportunity to start to showcase kind of what you offer as a company, but that's not at all how it was being conducted. And then as people were being brought in, you know, they, the onboarding, the orientation, they were sitting in front of a computer for two weeks. We had actual, we had stats on the turnover within that first two weeks. It was ridiculous. Mm. Uh, So just really not creating that, that engaging uh, in, you know, kind of experience from the very first days at a company. So we've then, you know, started to implement things like a buddy system where you're, you're connected with someone. So again, starting to facilitate those connections, those relationships, right? But that buddy is really your lifeline in terms of understanding the culture. Where do people take breaks? Where can I go pick up a coffee? You know, like, what's the norm? What are those unspoken norms that nobody actually, you know, it's not written anywhere, but everybody's aware of. So that's yeah. the that, that buddy transmits that and then connecting them with a mentor, you know, in those first few weeks and having a very specific training plan. Again, speaking to clarity, understanding their role, having a training plan for what they can expect week one, month one, in the first three months of their job, having all these different tools and, and processes just to really support. And again, make sure that people are in the know, they understand what's expected of them, they know where to go for what. So working and then even talking about this particular client we worked at, okay, so now that you've got all these employees, they're already here. How are we developing them? How are we identifying those high potential, that 3% that goes, you know, that's smart, hungry, and humble? And and how do, are we providing them with some curated kind of developmental opportunities to make sure that we're retaining them, we're keeping them, we're not losing them out to the competition, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the non-high potentials, but how are we continuing to develop them? And how are we using, you know, processes like your performance development um, exercise, your performance review? How are we using that to kind of fuel and measure and understand the preferences and needs of each individual employee and then developing, you know, plans to really help them grow within their comfort zone? Mm, So mm. all that to say, this client, it was was interesting because they had very low, uh, sorry, low turnover, high retention, but it doesn't mean that they're, they're that they had happy and thriving no, employees, no. right? Yeah. So to work with them. 
yeah no it's interesting yeah because often that is the sort of the assumption isn't it that people aren't leaving so they're therefore happy but but actually (laughs) not the case and what if they're only performing at you know I don't know, 30% of their capacity. Well, and absolutely. And, and you, we've, you've mentioned it a couple of times now, and I know it's something I was going to, I tried to flag to talk to you about, because I really, I think it's a really interesting metaphor to use this, this organizational tenants. I've used it. I've heard, other, I've heard other metaphors used before, like organizational prisoners, uh, but, but organization tenant tenants does kind of indicate some, some level of choice in there. Let, let's just talk a little bit about that, that Ariane, because I, I think it's an important thing. And I think everybody will, will probably, intuitively get that metaphor and kind of think yeah we've got some of those in our organization but just, just say a little bit more about about what what, what who what, what is who is an organizational tenant and why is that important and why should we care about that okay so your organizational tenants um i would say i'm actually going to use a, a trending term quiet quitter uh mm, i think they're, yeah. they're essentially synonymous basically it's individuals who are showing up they're occupying space they're not doing much else right they're they're not mm. taking on any extracurricular projects or activities or organizing any you know social functions within the the work uh, sphere. They're not going above and beyond. What's interesting is they're they're actually doing the strict minimum of their mm. requirements. So you can't actually intervene with disciplinary because they're really still, you know, kind of completing that that strict minimum, that that baseline standard. But what yeah. they're not doing is, is much else, right? They're not socializing with their colleagues. They're not and, and and it could actually be quite detrimental and quite toxic to an organization because they're basically they're they're not they're also not going to be the promoters of your organization. They're going to be quite kind of neutral on whether or not other people should work for your organization. So if you're reliant and you should be reliant, right, these days uh, on kind of that that word of mouth and helping getting people to your internal uh, employees to kind of refer their uh, prospective candidates for uh, to, to fill your pool of workers. Well, if they're not saying great things about you or your organization, then that could also be quite um, detrimental mm. to, to your ability to recruit the talent you need, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So that advocacy thing is really important, isn't it? Particularly nowadays, mm-hmm. people will, you know, things like Glassdoor and less formally, you know, you'll, you'll always, you know, you're going to buy anything nowadays. You always go on Trustpilot and check it out. I mean, it's the same, you know, Absolutely. probably also if you're going to choose to go and work somewhere, you want to know whether you're, you, you're kind of quitting one job had- and, and jumping out of the frying pan into the fire. Sorry, sorry, Lorianne. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. had a client. It was just really interesting. I, I said, I said, you know, how much do you spend on recruitment per year? And he says, I've never spent a dollar in recruitment since yeah. I started my business. And I said, wow, so what's your secret sauce? And he says, good people know other good people. Mm. And he says, you treat them well, and they'll speak well about your organization. And that in and of itself it, you know, is enough to fill my pipeline of prospective talent. Of and I course. thought that was really interesting. So he actually encourages all of his employees. He doesn't even offer, like you know, some agencies will, or some organizations will offer a referral bonus. If you're able to refer someone who's a successful candidate, then you get kind of a, a bonus, which is certainly an option. But this particular um, employer, like he does not offer any referral bonuses. He just really encourages his his employees to, you know, kind of speak about their experience as an employee at that organization. Yeah, which is the ultimate, the you know, the ultimate um, 
advocacy, isn't it? Because I'm doing it not because I uh, I'm, I'm getting you know a thousand bucks or whatever you're going to get for it. I'm getting I'm doing it because I you know I'll bask in the kudos of uh, attracting you to come and work somewhere. It's a really good place to work. It, you know that's Absolutely. the ultimate uh, uh, you know, endorsement, isn't it? Um, yeah, this, this, this idea of organizational talents, I mean, there's, there's lots of, you know, as I say, organization, I remember reading a, a, a kind of a, a white paper on this idea of, you know, the, the, the percentage of people, I mean, there, there can be an age demographic as well. And I always think, you know, when I'm thinking back to my line management days, the people who were, and again, I don't want to generalize, but the people who were, could, were most challenging to motivate were sometimes people who, you know, kind of, they'd been there a long time. They, you know, mm-hmm. they'd kind of seen a lot of people like me come and go and, you know, kind of learn to keep their head down and, and not get noticed, <laughs> which, which, you know, is kind of, was a, which is a coping tactic. Um, and also, you know, we're kind of getting towards the time of their career where they didn't, you know, they, they nominally anyway, they didn't think they wanted any of this, you know, stuff that we talked about earlier. Oh, around, you know, challenging oh my God. Gra- yeah. <laughs> Uh, and, that was and, my reality. Like, I well, yeah, yeah, yeah. When I, you know, when I started, and, I remember going to meetings and and having all of my colleagues around the table and bringing ideas and saying, "Hey, you know, wondering if I've noticed this kind of ongoing challenge. How about we, you know, kind of take this approach?" Blah blah blah. And then I'd get like all the reasons it was not going to work from everyone mm. sitting at the table. Yeah. And I'd also get, you know, the been there, done that kind of, you know, sorry, ain't happening. Been there, done that. Here's exactly how it's going to play out. And I remember leaving one of my meetings and thinking, oh my God, like at what point do you get that cynical? At what point do you get that that kind of negative? So yeah. I had coined them dinosaurs, right? So I realized it's about at the seven-year mark. <laughs> yeah. Seven yeah. Years, yeah. Yeah. I remember being at a meeting and I had become that person. We were yeah. we had some young blood and then they were bringing some big ideas. And and I suddenly thought I was being, you know, helping them out by telling them all the reasons it would not play out that way and it wouldn't work. Yeah. And I remember yeah. leaving the meeting and thinking, Oh my God, I can't believe I've become one of them. And it's, um, I had a conversation with someone right after and and they said, you know, I have something that's worked for me and it's commit to loving it for 30 seconds. And I was like, what? She's like, yeah, just commit to loving whatever idea is presented suspend all judgment and commit to absolutely loving it. Think it is the best thing since sliced bread that's ever been presented to you. And, and, you know, by suspending that judgment, whether you realize it or not, you're actually going to give it a chance. And, and yeah. there might, you know, might not love the entire idea, but you're going to get some little pieces here and there that are really going to actually probably improve your, your, your life or, or help the challenge. And yeah. I was like, oh, that's really helpful. So I actually, during my workshops, I always start with that. I don't care what I'm going to present to you today. I need you guys to really commit to loving it for 30 seconds, maybe a minute. Yeah. <laughs> It's you know that way they're actually it might be very foreign to them but it's giving it a, a chance suspending that judgment right and then if they decide after that minute that it's still you know kind of rubbish then that's that's fine they can actually just you know pass yeah move on no, but yeah but no Anyways. I think that's I think that's good if you if you can kind of, yeah and I I, I mean are you if you familiar with um De Bono's six thinking hats which is a kind of creativity technique have you come across that before Edward De Bono uh, I have to mention not. his name because he's you know well, you have to look it up uh, and anybody can look it up and obviously um uh, recognize that it's Edward De Bono's and I should like if I could draw a 
copyright signal in the air i would do because uh, he, he he's he does protect his ip very strongly but but it's um, a lot of that is in the public domain as well so yeah he has this technique which is kind of six thinking hats and i can never remember the colors but basically it's a way of you allocating roles in a in a in a kind of a you know a kind of an idea generation session where I can. I know that when I always remember, the black hat has to look for the negative, the white has to look, has to look for the positive, the yellow hat has to look for the opportunity. You know, it's it, so you you basically it's not role play, but you force people to hold a particular frame of mind about what it is that we're talking about, which you know can be a way of forcing people out of um, uh, out of these kind of you know routines that they've got into. They have to be up for it, and they have to be kind of uh, want want to take part, of course, so it to work. But yeah, it's an interesting. But it's very much what you were saying. It's like you know suspend judgment. It's it's. Um, you know, if we were only looking for the positives in this this thing, what 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 would we we pull out? And it, and it's just a way of just trying to get people like to break that. their yeah, just a way of getting people to break their frame of uh, frame of reference. And um, yeah, but no, I, I I totally agree with you. And you know, I've kind of been in those. You know, you you're, you're right. I mean, I don't. I guess we give this a health warning on this. And the sort of caveat is that we're not saying that if you've been for seven years somewhere, you immediately become sort of cynical and negative. But uh, <laughs> no, I know what you mean in terms of like that kind of you kind. Of you've become the, the the sort of thing that you used to sort of think, and how do people get like that? And then you recognise yeah, you've yeah. become like that yourself. So definitely, uh, definitely a thing. I, I just want to move on, just just to sort of talk a little bit. We've talked about employee experience. You've talked about you know the kind of pipe, you know the kind of every touch point that we the organisation have. And I really, I didn't get it. I didn't say it earlier, but I was you know when you talked about you know the first stage, which is recruitment. Is I, I definitely agree with you. I, I you know I've I've always whenever I've been recruiting myself or helping organizations to recruit or when recruiting when I was in corporate life, I always, someone when I did my recruitment training always tell me, you know, this is, this is a two-way thing here. They're choosing you as much as you're choosing them. And you need to recognize that and be respectful of that and not be arrogant enough to think that, you know, uh, this is all about whether we think you're good enough. You, we need to prove to, to, to you that we're good enough for you as well. And this is the right thing. So at all of those touch points. So when we're talking about employee experience, I guess we're talking about that all the different touch points, connection points that we have with those employees throughout their time with the organization. Um, some of them, you know, might kind of more formal and part of the process, but others less for you know it's more like the day-to-day contact is is that right Lorianne? yeah that is 100 percent accurate absolutely yeah 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 so just just what is the role of because this is an you know we've we've talked about communication and we you know we've talked about lots of related topics and issues today which i think are highly relevant to anyone who works in engagement or or internal comms but specifically around thinking about internal comms because it was on that list of 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 things as as i say i know two doesn't mean it's more important than nine or eight or seven or whatever uh but but (laughs) but internal your specific so i think yeah Let's say that's number one. <laughs> I mean, I, it's interesting because whenever I, I, you know, whenever I go to a client and they, you know, they say, um, you know, we've we we do we've done an employee survey and we've got some results and you know we we getting you in because we like eat some help from you. I can't, without them or, or ever them telling me what the survey results are, I always say, let me guess. Um, too much change. Uh, nobody tells us what's going on, and 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 the third one, although we said it earlier, is no one they don't pay to pay us enough because people always use the opportunity, the employee survey, to have a kind of quick go to try and you know kind of complain about, about remuneration, yeah. but but. but 
but but but communication i agree is it's you know you can never do enough of it and it's never good enough and and probably that should always, always be the case there. it's yeah, always absolutely. always on the results regardless communication is on there uh and whether it be communication between the manager and the yeah. employee or just you know in general they have no idea where they're going towards when you think about clarity how do you actually achieve clarity good communication yeah. right like yeah, yeah so it's really it, it, it actually as much as we kind of joke about it it is actually one of the most you know kind it, of it, 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 high up a, yeah. there it's yeah. as important as oxygen and food, I guess, in that in that ah, respect. <laughs> yeah, and, so, and and a lot of people don't do it effectively, and they don't actually enlist. They don't recognize the value. So that one main client I was I was talking about earlier, one of my big clients. Hmm. Um, the first thing we did is we got their internal communication marketing folks at the table, having these conversations and and helping them kind of create stories and and create kind of the 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 assets we needed to be able to be more effective at those other, at, at the different kind of touch points throughout okay. the employee career. Yeah. 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 So, so yeah, I mean, you've, 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 you've already answered some of the, que- the questions I was going to ask. So, I mean, your, your take on internal comms and the, 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 the role it plays in employee, in employee experience in creating that great employee experience and that motivating place to work. Um, you know, what, what, what do you, what, what's your particular experience around that, Laurieanne? So you think about, so let's talk about some of these kind of drivers and see how, you know, your internal comms can support that, Mm. the infusion of that driver. So when we talk about purpose and impact, right? So how are you, what, what are we doing to communicate and to showcase it? Okay. Yeah. During recruitment, absolutely. But how are we actually showcasing it to folks internally? What mm. are we doing? How are we actually talking about, um, you know, a client journey and, and helping people connect the dots and to see that, wow, that, that employee journey, that, sorry, that client journey, we all have a role to play in it. Right. So, so yeah. starting to convey that purpose and impact, helping them kind of connect how the work they do actually enables the achievement of that broader. So vision, mission, and values. So it's certainly through communication. And, and what does that look like? It's different formats, you know, making sure that you're, you're helping people understand. Maybe it's a, like I say, some success stories and celebrating some of the, the client success stories and celebrating some internal success stories as well of employees and, and, and showcasing those during you know videos or just actual newsletters or whatever format, but really just making sure that people are aware of them. So that's yeah. just for purpose and impact, right? When you talk about just growth opportunities, well, obviously your internal communication folks need to be enlisted to help you kind of make sure that people are aware of them and what might a career trajectory look like within from, you know, to, to get you from A to Z in different positions within the company and what yeah. might that journey look like. So certainly I, I, I think it honestly, it's, it's at every level it, and, and it, it, communication exactly. is a means to, to an end when it comes to these drivers. Yeah. So it's almost like, it's almost going to that checklist, isn't it? Uh, oh, no, no, sorry, the checklist. I mean, me. that, that lit that, that list of 10 that you gave us earlier. And again, we haven't got time to do it justice, but it's like looking through those and thinking, okay, if they're the 10 things that are really important in terms of creating a great, great employee experience and creating a highly motivating workplace, what am I as an internal communicator, whether I'm a manager or a director, or, you know, I'm working in the, in the internal comms team, what are we doing? What am I doing in mm-hmm. order to, um, facilitate that 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 process through the work that i do um mm-hmm. so i think that's yeah, a really it's a really important um uh, useful checklist it's, you know it's it really is it is a checklist essentially yeah. right you got yeah yeah and then yeah. you got to cross-reference it, like I say, with those touch points, right? So mapping out that journey and then yeah. saying, okay, we're, we're, you know, let's use the example of onboarding orientation. Okay. How are yeah. we facilitating all these drivers within that, the, the, the processes that we kind of uh, make a part of that entire kind of training 
Yeah. What does that look like? How are, how are we infusing that? Right. You, yeah. you talked about, you referenced leadership. And one of the things I, I didn't touch on at the beginning when you asked, which is my favorite, I per, per, like personally, I love the leadership piece because I really think that it starts with, uh, you know, great leaders and, and mm. leaders who understand the value of coaching versus telling, right. The difference mm. between telling your child where his jacket is and creating that dependency that every time they lose a jacket, they come up to you and ask you again, or, coaching them and kind of doing a bit of a walkthrough of where they might have left it. What was the, when was the last time you remember having it, right? Same thing mm. with employees. You're creating that dependency by be, taking that command and control and telling uh, approach as opposed to actually empowering them and coaching them and helping them develop that critical thinking needed to drive high performance ultimately, right? Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Well, look, that has been a very, very interesting conversation. Very useful. I love your, I love your ten, uh, your ten points there, and I'm going to make sure we put those into the show notes so people can, uh, if they, we obviously when they're I listening, have sometimes... an infograph with all of them. That that I'm, would be I'm, fantastic. I, well, I was, what I was going to yeah. go on to say, say, Lorraine, I'll cover that at the end. Actually, so yeah, let, let's let, let's maybe just skip a skip what I was going to say. So I mean, just just wrapping up, I and mean, what I wanted to say is thank you very much. I think that's been really, really useful, and that, and I think what I've taken from that is though, though you know that kind of that list of 10 things that we should all be mindful of and thinking about when it comes to creating a great employee experience. I love your idea of organizational tenants. I think that will resonate with a lot of listeners and that was kind of a vocabulary. And I think when you can start to, again, without stereotyping people and putting them in buckets, but actually sort of recognizing that behavior and what are we going to do to, you know, bring those people into our, into the fold and stop them being like passive tenants and make them more active. But also the, the whole idea of, you know, the role of IC internal comms and in, in, in developing all of those different um, things around creating a, a great employee experience. So yeah, you, what I was going to say, what I was going to do is put a link into your uh, LinkedIn profile in the show notes. So if people want to reach out to you, they can, but you say you have an infographic and any other resources that you're happy to share with the, with the listeners, uh, Lorianne, if you want to tell us what you've got and then we'll make sure we get those and put them into the show notes, the links to them anyway. Absolutely. So uh, certainly my LinkedIn profile, I, I'll share my website as well. Uh, I've got a yeah. blog series that we actually just put up on the heels of this quiet, quitter, uh, quiet quitting trend and, and helping kind of shed light where we talk about these 10 uh, drivers and talk about kind of them being the secret ingredients to creating that highly sought after um, work environment. But then uh, for the next 10 weeks, we're going to be you know, diving a bit deeper into each of them uh, per week. So we're going to showcase one driver per week. Okay. Um, so certainly encourage people to join my Thrive Hive right off my website so that they're able to get these updates and continue to receive uh, th these tips and tricks. But for sure, I will also flip that infographic to you. Yeah, please do. Yeah, well, so if you can, if is is it a link that we can put in the show notes so people can download it? Yeah, is that is that is that what you've got, or is it just I will, a PDF? I'll set that up. Yeah, yeah. That, if you don't that mind, up. that will be that will be great. And yeah, and um, uh, yeah. I mean, when the show goes out, it may be that you're already quite fair way through your series of blogs. So, but I mean, people can absorb them retrospectively, I guess. Yeah, if if you if you're going to, uh, yeah, brilliant. Oh yeah. So send me those links, please, Lorianne. And yeah, I've got your LinkedIn profile, but also your, if you can make the uh, your your info graphic downloadable that will be that will be fantastic as well um well fantastic so really really grateful Lorianne. thank you so much for sharing your your knowledge your expertise your your experience um and um you know really lots some really great takeaways there for the list for our listeners and uh, i wish you all the best for the remainder of this year and obviously 
a bit too early to start thinking about next year just yet, but uh, obviously moving into into the future as well. And all the best with your with your business and and your 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 uh, your work and your blogs and all all the great work that you're doing, Lorianne. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. It really was a great conversation. Thank you. Bye bye. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Engaging Internal Comms podcast. If you've got any ideas for episodes you'd like us to cover in future, you can email us at info at thebigpicturepeople.co.uk or you can use the feedback form at engagingic.com. If you're not already subscribed to the show via your podcast platform, please do so. And if you could leave a review for us, that would be absolutely fantastic. We have links to other episodes at engagingic.com. All of our previous episodes are available there. And if you're interested in our visual communication services, our big pictures, our learning maps, our explainer videos, and also our live graphic recording, please get in touch with us again at info at thebigpicturepeople.co.uk. Thank you.